Hello friends, welcome or welcome back. You're listening to Strictly Crime with me, Alex. Hey guys, it's time for a new episode. As always, I hope you guys are doing well, doing great. I have been very busy, but I am really wanting to still make my weekly uploads, so I have a new case for you guys today. I'm not sure if you guys are avid true crime listeners or you listen once in a while when you have free time, um, but I am an avid listener to tons of podcasts big to small. Um, I I find it really educating and I want to learn about those who have passed away and bring their stories to life. So I don't know if you guys have heard, but the Delphi murders, the murders of um, Liberty... German and Abigail Williams, um, which is called the Delphi Murders. This happened in Delphi, Indiana in 2017. Unfortunately, their bodies were found together. Um, Pretty gruesome and horrific. And their families have been fighting for justice. And an arrest was made this past week. Now, on Wednesday, October 26th, detectives with the Delphi Homicide Task Force took Richard Allen, who is 50 years old, from Delphi, Indiana, into custody, and he is being charged for their murders. Two counts of murders, and he is currently being held without bond. Um, And it's just... It's not great, you know, because obviously it's a very traumatic thing, but I am hoping that this can help the families feel safer because, I mean, this guy was out on the streets for over five years um, and was able to get away with who knows what else, you know what I mean? So it is a good thing that he's locked up um, and I just wish that their families can be not at peace because they're not going to ever be at peace. You know, all they want is their children back, but they deserve to have some sort of peace of mind that this creep, this monster is not out to harm anyone else, which is definitely a good thing. So I wanted to bring that update um, because it's really important. Um, And I've been knowing about this case for years, and I'm glad there's some sort of justice. But today, we do have a missing child case. Um, So if children cases kind of upset you, um, it's not too graphic, so you might be able to listen, but it is about a child, and she went missing, and this is pretty recent, so I really want to bring it up because there's hope somewhere. I mean, the Delphi murders were solved over five years later. This girl can potentially be found or some sort of evidence somewhere can lead to some answers. So we're going to be talking about the disappearance of Alicia Navarro and 
what happened? On September 13th in 2019, Alicia asked her mother if she could stay home from school. She had recently started classes at a Catholic high school in Phoenix, Arizona, and she was having a little bit of anxiety. New school, I believe she was a freshman, um, and so it was kind of this new feeling change, and that can always be difficult for young people. And her mom said it was all right because she figured she was feeling nervous about school. And so she stayed home that day. The next day, her and her mother spent the day together. They even visited like a chocolate factory, which sounds so fun. And it was reported that all was well. They just had a mother-daughter day, which sounded really nice. And nothing seemed too amiss, you know. Um, now, her her daughter, Alicia Navarro, had autism. She was considered high-functioning, which I'll talk a little bit about later. But she, like, had a routine, you know, a, a routine every day. Did pretty much the same thing. Um, but leading up to her disappearance, she started to gain more confidence and kind of step out of that routine, which wasn't really like her. But her mom didn't think too much of it because she's becoming a teen. I think she was 14. So she's becoming this teenager, gaining maturity. So she thought. Um, And so she wasn't thinking anything bad of it, Alicia's mother. Um, But in the early hours of September 15th, Alicia had came downstairs. It was late and she was asking her mom what time she thought she was going to go to bed. And her mom was like, oh, I'm staying up for my husband to get home from work, um, something of that nature. And she was pretty much like in an interview, she stated that Alicia was like, well, you know, if you don't go to sleep, you're going to be really tired and you're going to regret it in the morning. And then she kind of went back up to bed. And this was about around 1 a.m. Well, in the following hours after that, Alicia had left the home without her mother's knowledge. Her mom, Jessica, later realized that she was coming downstairs to see when she was going to bed because she wanted to know when she could sneak out. So it had to be after 1 a.m. And then in the morning when Jessica, her mom, woke up to let the dogs out and, you know, just to get up for the day, she had noticed that the back door was like cracked open. She thought it was a little odd because that wasn't, an, an, you know, a thing that happened all the time. Um, but she thought, you know, maybe it was her husband that had accidentally forgotten it or whatever. So she went outside to let the dogs out and she saw these chairs like stacked up. And it was like to her daughter's bedroom because Alicia's bedroom window was pretty high up. I believe it was a second story home. Um, I always post my sources and I watched uh, several interviews from Jessica, Alicia's mother, and she kind of shows in the interview what she believe the route that Alicia took to sneak out, unfortunately. So she saw these chairs stacked up and didn't 
realize it at the time, but then realized later that it was for her to get out of her bedroom window. And then there was footprints next to the stacked chairs, and these footprints were created by her vans that she wore religiously. That's pretty much the only pair of shoes that she wore. And now, since there was only one pair of footprints, this lets us know that she left alone. And then her mother, Jessica, believed that she scaled the fences because it was kind of like this gate um, that had to be unlocked or opened and you would be able to hear that or see somebody do that. And so there were some bricks that were kind of stacked up and Jessica believed that Alicia used these to hop over the fence. And this was also probably to avoid making any noises, have the dogs bark, um, and avoid being seen by the neighbor's security cameras, which she, she unfortunately successfully did. The only information that was able to be gathered from the neighbor's security camera is footage of a white truck entering and leaving the neighborhood around the time of Alicia's disappearance. Her mother then found a handwritten note left in Alicia's bedroom that read, quote, I ran away. I will be back. I swear. I'm sorry, Alicia, unquote, which I have guardianship of my younger brother who was 14, which Alicia was at the time that this happened. And I would be scared shitless if I saw a note that said that. I mean, I cannot imagine how her mother was feeling in that time. And I, oh my God, it's definitely scary. And so immediately she informed the police. Now, Jessica said that Alicia was a very simple girl who mostly kept to herself, except for a small group of friends that she had known since kindergarten. She said that in an interview, quote, she never asked for brand clothes or anything like that, unquote. And she said that she remembers Alicia I, um, pretty much t saying that she is introverted and shy. And that was in an interview that she did. Um, she was just a really shy girl that kept to herself. Jessica also says that Alicia was really advanced in her sensory abilities. She, you know, tied her shoes and did her own laundry at a pretty young age, and she was really good with electronics, which was one thing that she did for fun a lot, is go online and play video games. Now, Alicia did have high-functioning autism, is what it's called, um, Obviously, autism is a huge spectrum, and Alicia was high-functioning. Is That's what they call it, which means that she was able to be more independent on some things than someone with more severe autism that needs a lot more guidance and things like that. And she had some sensory issues. She was a pretty picky eater. She had a very small wardrobe in the interviews that I watched. Her mom showed her clothes and her shoes that she's kept all of the same 
she hasn't touched her daughter's room. I mean, she even had a basket of dirty clothes that she hadn't washed yet because she said that she likes to go in there and smell them. And it was just so heartbreaking to watch that because she didn't even want to wash the clothes because she just wanted to smell her daughter. And I totally understand that feeling of, you know, losing someone, you know, not to death that we know, but losing someone and wanting them back and just to smell them. It was really heartbreaking to watch, but she had a very small wardrobe and she didn't really leave the house that much at all, which makes this story even more strange. Jessica, Alicia's mom, says around the age of 11, Alicia started to get really interested in gaming, as a lot of kids do, and it became one of her favorite hobbies. She would often spend a lot of her free time playing games online, something that her mom, Jessica, felt that was normal for a teenager, and I completely agree. She used to use Discord, which is a resource. Um, it's not really an app. It's kind of like a website where you can talk with other people and like you're like kind of in a group and it's usually people that have like the same hobby as you or the same liking to something as you like. You could be in like a Minecraft Discord where you all talk about Minecraft and play the game together and you know stuff like that. And looking back, Jessica says that she fears that her daughter's hobby may have led to her disappearance and that an online quote-unquote friend may have been planning something sinister, which is really, really scary to think about. Um, and Kathleen Wynn, who is a director of Project 25, which is like a nonprofit that partners with law enforcement against human trafficking, she has said that it appears Alicia was going to come back home. I mean, she left her chargers to her phone and computer, and she also left, like, changes of clothes. She only had what was on her, um, and she also left that note, which is pretty strange. Um, so, I honestly believe as well that she was coming back. I feel like you know, we're not too far along in this, but I feel like she was going to meet with one of these friends that she met online, which unfortunately people catfish. We've all heard of that show. People lie about who they really are and they have something bad that they want to do. And it's really sad. I mean, especially for young people to not know. Um, they don't know that they're getting catfished until it happens. Um, it's super scary uh, because children are vulnerable. So they're like, hey, a new friend, especially Alicia, who was more introverted and spent a lot of her time alone and stuff on the computer. Having a friend online was probably a lot easier to talk to. You can kind of think about what you're going to say before you say it. You're not face to face with someone and I'm sure like she was excited to have these online friends and stuff like that. And because Alicia's mother said that her daughter needed to be cared for by an adult, like she wasn't fully independent, obviously she's a child, but um, her mom said she really needed to be cared for by an adult. 
Alicia, her disappearance was the first time Arizona issued a silver alert for someone who was not an elderly person with dementia. And I'm guessing it's like an Amber Alert, um, but a little different. She was wearing, at the time of her disappearance, a white sweatshirt, a white-washed denim overall skirt, and black and white Vans sneakers. A photo of the sweatshirt um, has been posted and stuff, and I will post pictures of her and, like, a little missing person's type of flyer on my Instagram, Strictly Crime. If you guys want to go over there and share, it's it really does need to be shared. Um, I've heard about her story only a couple of times, um, and it's still somewhat early in this case, if we're being completely honest. There has been multiple cases that have been solved 40 or 50 years later. I believe Alicia can be found. She deserves to be found, especially if something happened to her that was against her will or that was, you know, bad. She really needs help if she is still alive. And if not, she just needs to be put to rest. Her mom is extremely heartbroken. Um, and she has a TikTok that she has for her daughter, which I will also put down below. I believe it's like Find Alicia Navarro. I believe that is the name of it, but you can tell it is just exhausted her mom, Jessica. Every day she is fighting to find Alicia and it's like another job on top of whatever she's got going on, you know? She just wants her daughter home. And Alicia was or is a Hispanic female. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She has braces on her teeth and a scar on her left knuckle. And because of her short stature, she looks much younger than she is. Very, very short, petite figure. So she looks like she's maybe 10 years old. And it's just even more scary that she might look more childlike um, for the predator, you know, that might encourage them even more. And sometime during the night that Alicia left her home in the vicinity of 45th Avenue and Rose Lane on foot, she took a small black backpack, her silver iPhone 6, and her silver Apple MacBook computer. But she, like I said, she did not take the chargers. She left behind the laptop she used for school and the desktop computer she used to play her games at. Her mom believes she left to meet someone she'd been talking to online. And again, she left that note saying, I will be back, I swear. And she never returned and has never been heard from again. The police stated that she is pretty tech savvy from what it seemed and she took her phone and computer what they think was an attempt to make it harder to find her, say her mom came in in the middle of the night or something like that. Prior to her disappearance, she hadn't been fighting with her family or indicated that she was upset with them or unhappy at all. So it, it doesn't seem like she was running away from them. You know, they just had a fun day at the um, the factory that they went to, the chocolate factory and everything. So 
nothing seemed amiss in her relationships with her family members. She was a student at a Brigade Catholic High School at the time of her disappearance, and according to her mom, due to her autism, Alicia liked a strict routine with no changes from her schedule, and she didn't like to go out much in public. She was prone to emotional meltdowns and needed help with socializing. Her mom believes she never intended to be gone this long and is probably being held against her will. And her case remains unsolved as of 2022, which is so heartbreaking. I wish I could do anything in my power to bring Alicia back. And one thing I know I can do is share her story. She was 14 years old at the time, and I can relate to her story a lot because I take care of my younger brother, who is 14, and I I would be, like, I don't even have words. I would be heartbroken if something like this happened to any one of my family members, um, and it's definitely scary. Make sure you are looking at who your children are talking to online, especially if they play video games or on or are on social media. I believe in a sense of privacy for all people, even children. Um, I believe in privacy, but you at least need to see who your children are talking to. Make sure you know them in person. Um, it's really important because there are predators out there and they will come for your children. It's, the internet is just a scary place and you can do so many things on the internet. You can do so many bad things and it's important that we give our children privacy. We don't snoop through their phone completely, but we know what they're doing. We know who they're with. We know where they're going and we let them know about the dangers of internet access as well. So they know not to talk to strangers. They know to not go meet someone alone because that's really important as well, especially for children who have learning disabilities or autism of some sort, they are more vulnerable as well and they can be taken advantage of. And a man who is working on the case named Trent Steele, he said, we've actually gotten some new technology involved in some of this stuff, so it's not cold, it's still going, unquote, which is good to hear. Um, I saw and used a couple of articles from this year that were posted because Alicia would be 18 years old this year, 18 years old, which really breaks my heart because she was supposed to be graduating from high school. She was supposed to be starting her adulthood and unfortunately, she's nowhere to be found and she deserves a life and to live whatever she chooses. And Trent Steele is a private investigator working on her case. He's the president of the Anti-Predator Project, a nonprofit agency that helps family with cases centered around missing people and human trafficking, which could have happened to Alicia, unfortunately. He says that her case is not cold. His team dedicates up to 50 hours a week on it and receives hundreds of tips. 
you know, her mom is just asking for anything that you know about this case. If you saw Alicia at all, if you know anything about where she could have gone, any information. She just wants people to put the word out, put flyers up, keep a positive outlook because the one option that we truly want is for Alicia to be okay and alive and we just need to get her back. There could be far more gruesome outcomes, but that's not what we want. We want her safe and sound with her mom. And the interviews I watched with Jessica, her mother, were very heartbreaking. She broke down a couple of times because she is doing everything she can to keep her daughter's story alive. And she says she doesn't understand why there's not more attention on this. And, you know, I'm sure we can have a little bit of a guess. Alicia was Hispanic, and unfortunately, minorities do not get talked about as much as white people. And that's just a fact. You know, like we saw with the Gabby Petito case, of course, Gabby's story needed to be solved. But her case went major, and it blew up intensely. Everybody and their mothers were worried about Gabby. And her case was solved pretty quickly. Alicia has been missing for years and she needs more coverage. She is a minority, but that does not change anything. She deserves justice. She deserves to be found and her name needs to be out there. We need to be posting about any type of updates and, you know, flyers because she is such a young girl um, and something really bad could have happened. So it's really important that we share her story and just try to do our best to get justice for her and find her. Car clubs and other communities around Um, where she lives, are helping the family raise money to put her information on billboards and other areas. And, you know, there's a lot of independent people who are trying to help, but we're hoping for more information that will help the Glendale Police Department provide extra details to the public and missing children's groups that could bring her home. Because that is the most important thing about this whole story. Again, if you have any information about Alicia Navarro, where she could have gone, please contact the Glendale Police Department at 623-930-3000 or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. T-H-E-L-O-S-T or the Anti-Predator Project at 305-796-4859. That is the unfortunate disappearance of Alicia Navarro. I hope that she can be found safe and sound. Thank you for listening to her story. Again, I will post a little bit of information and pictures that you can share on my Instagram, Strictly Crime. And hopefully one day soon in the future, Alicia can be found. 
Again, thank you for listening. If you want to support this podcast, you can click the link in the bio below and donate, but that is just a suggestion. You can also share and rate my podcast, which really helps out a lot. So we can get Alicia and other people's stories out there that I've done podcasts on. It's important and that's who I I do this for is the victims that need help and you know I'm hoping that one person can listen to this podcast and know something or share it with a friend and you know be able to get their stories out there I will talk to you next week see ya